Hi, this is Jim Swilly. Welcome to Metron Live. Metron is a Greek word that means sphere of influence. I believe in living your best life possible, and that's the reason for this podcast. This is my Metron. Now let me help you discover yours. Welcome uh, to the Metron Live podcast. Coming from uh, beautiful uh, Midtown adjacent. Hey, bud. Kirkwood neighborhood, uh, Midtown adjacent. Um, brought to you faithfully by the rock god of podcasting, Charles McFall. Um, is this where I was supposed to do the pause? Uh, okay. He asked me to take a beat for the recording purposes. So, uh, Metron people, would you please welcome the podcast people? Let them know that you're glad they are listening. Um, I do speak into this atmosphere and say, let there be light. All right. The series title this month is um, uh, "Things to Come: Predicting the Future by Creating It." We've talked, uh, we've talked about Jesus saying, "When the Holy Spirit comes, He'll show you things to come." We've talked about uh, the sort of flexibility or malleability of prophecy. If a prophecy spoken, is it locked in, or does it does prophecy speak to your potential? Remember, we talked about Isaiah coming to Hezekiah and saying. Uh, you're going to die, get your house in order, and, and Hezekiah turns his face to the wall and prays. And Before Isaiah even gets out of the house, God says, go back and, and revamp your prophecy and tell him he's getting 15 more years. And you'll see a lot of times in, in the scriptures, there was uh, some negotiation that was going on between God and an intercessor. Like uh, Abraham, when God says, I'm going to destroy Sodom and Gomorrah, and uh, uh, Abraham says, well, will you, sit, will you spare it for 50 people? And he says, yeah, that's fine. And then he says, will you spare it for 40? Sure. Will you spare it for 30? Okay. Will you spare it for 20? Yeah. And the reason, if, if you take the story literally, the reason the city was uh, destroyed is because Abraham just stopped at 10. You know, why, why not just say God's clearly in negotiating uh, mode? Why not just say, what, why did you just spare it for me? Or how about just sparing it? And so what... You know, I think that's a really important part of predicting the future because I do believe in words of knowledge and words of wisdom and prophetic utterances. Even something as simple as um, yesterday, we were out running some errands and I had taken my computer with me because I, I told Ken, I said, at some point, if inspiration hits me, I need to sit down and, and send uh, uh, Michelle an um, outline. And uh, so he had wanted to go by the Apple store at Lenox Square. I said, you know what, that's fine. You go there, and there's a little, uh, right there in Macy's, there's, they've got a little Starbucks. I'll just go get a coffee. I'll take my computer, and I'm going to work on the um, outline. And I, I, it was just too much distraction going on. I, 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 couldn't, I couldn't really focus. But I was, um, I was sitting there, and, you know, I'm still in recovery mode with my, from my surgery. And just this past week, you know, a lot of times when, when you've, you've been through something and people say, are you feeling better? And, and you say, yeah. And they're like, yay, you're done. And you think, no, I'm still recovering. And uh, this, you know, this last week I had just still had a lot of pain. And I was asking the therapist, I said, just let me know, is this normal? I, I mean, I, should I be having this much pain? Now, it's not persistent, but you'll think it's all over with. And in the middle of the night, you're like, oh, hey, okay, what the what? And, uh, and he said, well, no 
two situations are alike. He said, but you have to understand they, you know, they saw it through your bones and your muscles. It's going to, it's going to, you know, recovery's not just flipping on a light switch. I said, all right, that's fine. As long as I know, like if he had said, what? You're still having pain? This, this was a mistake. But he said, no, it's, you know, it's part of the procedure. But it's still, you know, when you've dealt with something for a long time, I mean, I've been dealing with the shoulder stuff for close to 20 years. And you're, you know, you go through all the surgery and you do the thing and you, you know, where, where they're still sending you bills like every 10 minutes for something else. You're like, I thought we got this all paid for. And they're like, and here's another $4,500 we forgot to tell you about. Like, okay, now are we done? And, um, uh, it's just, I'm, I'm loath to complain about it because there are people who have cancer taking chemotherapy. I mean, mine's not nearly in, in any way, come in on this. Uh, in any way comparable to that. However, when you've been dealing with something for a long, long time, it just, it can really wear you down and mess with your head. And it wasn't like I was depressed about it this week, but it was just kind of, it, 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 it was, it was a, a challenging week, dare I say. And um, Ken, at, at a certain point, had come back from the store and he was walking around looking at stuff, and then he sat down beside me, and he said, I just saw Dave and Lana walk by. Y'all remember Dave and Lana Spencer? And I said, oh, okay, and uh, they live in Macon. So he gets up and goes out and comes, brings them back in. And it was, it was very interesting because Lana, I, I've, you know, I've known them for, gosh, since 1985, and um, Lana's always been one of my favorite people to talk to, and, and she had both hips replaced. And during this, my whole time, this couple times she sent me a word that was like, you have no idea how much I needed that word. Thank you. Because she would say things like, you're going to love it so much. You're you know, tell your body to welcome these new parts. And just little things is kind of the way I think. And she was in total Lana mode yesterday and just went right into you're going to feel so much better and I, I mean I kind of welled up I said you have no idea how timely that is I mean of course I know that of course I'm going to be okay and that's kind of what I'm going to talk about today but just the fact that I mean they live in Macon they were up here to return some stuff at Lenox and go up and see Richard and just the fact that that yeah, you know, that was the first thing she started talking about. Is you're going to feel so great with your shoulder, and you're going to love it. But and I, I, you know, like when Proverbs says, uh, like, um, what is it? Bringing snow to a, a man in the desert is like good news from afar. It was just it was good news, and that's a prophetic word. There's no way that something of that was a fluke. It's like wow, that's interesting that we didn't. We didn't, I mean, we caught up a little bit, you know, what's been going on, how are your grandkids, blah, blah, blah. But uh, just the fact that somebody that I never see anymore just happens to be at a place where we're not, where we're not at very often and just there at the right time and she has a word again. And so I do believe in prophetic words. I, I definitely believe in that. I've had... I've had situations where like a stranger would walk up to me and say something just really unusual. I think I told you all this before, but um, several years ago, I was in New York 
for I, that's when I was still working with the global peace festival, peace whatever it was, uh, and they had flown me up there, and I was in one of their meetings, and it's just. I just felt like it was a little heavy indoctrination. I told them initially, I said, I, I love you guys, but I'm probably not going to believe everything that you're going to believe. As long as you understand that, let's agree to disagree. And we, I was in a, you know, I've been, I've been reading the Bible a long time. I don't want somebody to instruct me. Y'all still with me? So I just thought, you know, I love y'all, but I'm, I'm, I think that's all I'm going to do today. And I got up and just kind of walked around. Come in. Walked around the city and, and, you know, enjoyed myself. And so I'm down in, like, Greenwich Village area. I'd never explored that area. And this guy who looked like a homeless guy, he walks by. He's, he's like, walking by. He looks a little inebriated. He's kind of staggering by. And he's got this newspaper under his arm. And um, it was, I don't know if you know what creative loafing is, some, some of these local newspapers that, you know, it, it was it was a, a Manhattan comparable thing, and it, it this is back when I really kind of wasn't in touch with Jared at all. I mean, he was he was in a very dark place, and apparently Jared's group, the Black Lips, were playing there, and this guy, I mean, he just walks by me and he takes the thing out and he turns and he opens it up to a picture of Jared, and he says, "This is what's important," and he closes it and walks off, and I'm like what the what like how is that possible I did not speak to him the, this random person walks by and shows me a picture of my son who you know I was you know very concerned about you know we we went through periods with Jared where we weren't sure we were gonna have a future with him and things like that are very very timely I told you uh, I told you the story about going out years ago when I first started the church I flew out to uh, L.A. to a Kenneth Copeland conference. It was a pastor's conference. And I went out there to hear a specific thing to deal with what was going on in the church. Well, they talked about everything but what I needed to hear. And I'm, you know, I don't get to listen to people very much. So I was, you know, I, I was all ears. Like, I flew out here. Y'all got, y'all got a word? Flying back. Never got one. Met some nice people. Like, okay, whatever. Flying back, guy across the aisle from me who is inebriated, and I don't know why drunk people seem to prophesy to me a lot, and um, he kind of starts a conversation with me. You know how when you're, you're on a plane and you're kind of putting up that force field like, oh, dude, let's, this is a long flight. I, I don't think I want to bond with you. Cause it's, you know. so, but he says to me, and I'm not... I'm not making fun of drunk people, but he says, he says to me, uh, what did you come to Los Angeles for? I thought, I don't want to talk to you. And I said, I'm a minister, and I'm, I came to a pastor's conference. Because that usually will shut people up. And, uh, but the question he asked was, oddly enough, he said, did you hear what you came out to hear? Like, who asked that? So I said, actually, no, I didn't. Still don't want to talk to you, but what an odd question. And then he says, well, what's going on in your church? Like I'm, in, I'm like in a Fellini movie. Like, really? I'm discussing this with a drunk stranger? So I thought, 
what the hell? So I, I mean, I told him what was going on. He spits out this amazing wisdom that was exactly right, exactly what I needed to hear. As soon as he said it, he passed out. We never spoke again. When we when we deplaned, we never acknowledged each other. It wasn't like we became buds. It, it was nearly like he didn't even know that it had happened. And I'm looking at him like, wow, I came to hear a particular thing on this trip, and I heard it. Like, that's amazing. So, I definitely believe in prophecy. That being said, I don't think prophecy is locked in. I don't think, and I, this is important because I've seen people over the years receive a prophetic word and they didn't know how to judge it properly and it actually became restrictive for them. It didn't make them hopeful, it made them confined. Uh, like, well, this, you know, somebody told me this was going to happen so I can't budge. And to me, prophecy speaks to your potential. Prophecy says this is what can happen. This is within the realm of possibility. Prophecy um, enlarges your awareness of the unified quantum field, and so you, you become more receptive. What's that got to do with predicting the future? Well, what I want to talk to you about today, it's, it's a theme that I visit frequently. It's about Jesus prophesying his own resurrection. You're familiar. I talk about this a lot. Um, I even, uh, y'all, uh, Brenda Yarbrough, you haven't seen her in a while. She's just gone through surgery for her wrist, and it's she's having a hard time. She's, at, she's in uh, a, a rehab place, and she messaged me last night and said, I just want to catch you up with what's going on with me. And I said, I said it sounds bad, but you're in the heart of the earth, but you will, on the third day you will arise. And she said, I receive it. And she knew, she knew what I meant. She knows I'm not calling her Jesus, and she's not actually about to be nailed to a cross. But that's precisely my point today. But before I show you this, um, well, let me show you the opening sentence of this passage. This is Matthew chapter 16. I'm going to show you verse 21 through 24. This is in the New English translation. The reason I have this in caps is it says, from that time on. Stop right there. Let me, let me give you backstory. Uh, chapter 16 begins with the Pharisees asking Jesus for a sign. I don't know if any of you remember when we were in the other theater, I did a whole series about the sign of Jonah, and it's, a, it's an important series because what Jesus says to them, it's an important topic. What Jesus says to them, you're not going to be given any, he says, you can, you guys are fishermen and you know that when there's a red sky, it means certain things. But he said, you can, you can predict all that, but you don't really, you don't predict spiritual signs. He says, there will be no other sign given you but the sign of Jonah. And there and other places in the scripture, the whole thing with Jonah, whether you think it was, whether it was a literal story or not, is neither here nor there. The truth of it is that Jonah gets swallowed by a fish and he's in the belly of the fish for three days. And on the third day, he is regurgitated into Nineveh. And it becomes a type of Jesus being in the heart of the earth for three days. This whole thing about this mythology of Jesus going to the underworld and fighting with the devil over the key, that's, that's, kind of, that's something that gospel music people have sort of imagined. What Jesus actually said is... Um, he had already said the God of this world is cast down. You know, Satan's coming, there's nothing in me. So there's no big cosmic battle going on between, <laughs> between Jesus 
and a devil somewhere. In fact, he calls in this very chapter, he calls Peter the devil. You know, devil just means whoever's adversarial. And if you got old school belief in the devil, I'm not trying to take your devil away. I know, I know people love them some devil, but I'm just telling you, uh, a lot of what the devil has become this avatar for people not taking personal responsibility in their life. I mean, that's what most of that's what most of that is. And if you need, if if you're a devil worshiper, namaste. Uh, you know, I I respect that, but that's I I can't really support that from the scriptures. What Jesus did say is, I'm going to go in the heart of the earth, meaning there are, um, there are things that need to be recalibrated in humanity, okay? But in here, he says, I will give you no other sign but the sign of Jonah. And if you remember that teaching, it's, it's a gross teaching, but the point is, you know, Jonah gets, remember he's, he's in a vessel and a storm comes up. And the people said, well, the, the, storm, the storm is here because uh, God's punishing somebody on this ship. And they cast lots, and they find out that it's Jonah. I think, I think if I remember, Jonah maybe volunteers, and he says, it's me. I'm supposed to go to Nineveh and preach, but I'm, I'm running from God. And they're like, well, we're not going to go down for you. You're going, to, you're going overboard. So they throw him overboard, and a fish swallows him. And the point of that teaching was, if you see someone go into the murky depths and a large animal swallows them, you usually assume, well, that's the end of them. That doesn't look like a story with a happy ending. What happened to Jonah? Well, he's running from God, you know, trying to go the opposite direction from Nineveh, and so they throw him overboard and the fish swallows him. Oh, well, too bad, so sad. May he rest in peace. And the point of the teaching was that the, the fish actually saved his life. If the fish hadn't swallowed him, he would have drowned. And so the, the symbolism is, sometimes the worst thing that ever happened to you turns out to be the best thing that ever happened to you. And it's gross, and it's scary, and it's horrible. But where does the fish take him? To Nineveh. And vomits him out. And it's, I know it's gross, but he got to his destiny covered in fish vomit. And so when he says, I'm going to give you no other sign but the sign of Jonah, he's talking about changing the way you look at adversity. Because the thing that swallowed you up that you thought, this thing's going to, this is going to kill me. I'm never going to survive this. It actually was the thing that sustained you. In some crazy way, the fish saved your life. Y'all still with me? And... Three days later, when the fish regurgitates you, it's still not pleasant. Deliverance, <laughs> deliverance isn't always pretty. <laughs> deliverance isn't, yay, that was, a, that was fun. Let's do it again. Come on, fish, swallow me. And like, no, it was horrible. You thought you were going to be digested by a cold-blooded animal. And... So it's a paradigm shift. It's like, well, this thing is horrible, and it's produced something in me that stinks, and yet it got me to the fulfillment of the prophecy. Now let me tell you why this is important. You read those first few verses in Matthew 16, then 
it transitions to Jesus asking his disciples, who do men say that I am? And you're, I'm not going to go through all that because you're familiar with that. But you know how they volunteer. Some say you're Elijah. Some say you're John the Baptist, blah, blah, blah. And he says, well, who, and he doesn't argue with any of them. He doesn't argue with them over their ideas of reincarnation or anything. He just says, all right, well, who do you say that I am? And Peter says, well, I say you're the Christ. And he says, okay, well, flesh and blood has not revealed this to you. And it's on this revelation that I will build my church. Not Petros, which is the, uh, the feminine, but Petra, which is the masculine, saying uh, on this revelation. I, I don't believe Peter was the first pope of the Roman Catholic Church. He was the man who had the revelation. The church was not built on Peter. It was built on his revelation. So, uh, and then Jesus says, but don't tell anybody else that I'm the Christ. Now, you see, that's kind of a pervasive theme. It's like Jesus would like raise a little girl from the dead and be like, don't tell anybody this. Keep this on the down low. He's like a down low Messiah. And uh, why is he, t I mean, doesn't that seem like that would be really good press? I mean, if, if evangelism is the goal and Peter says, I say you're the Christ, why wouldn't he say, you're right, I am, and you need to go everywhere and tell everybody that I'm the Christ. And he did say similar things to that in other places, but here he says, don't tell anybody I'm the Christ. And um, it's been suggested that maybe he said it because they were all the Christ. He didn't want, he didn't want them to think he was separate from them. And I can support that. It's necessary that I go away. Uh, so that you can do greater works. I mean, I could, that, that seems plausible to me. Y'all still with me? So, when it says from that time on, what, what's he talking about? From the time when they had the revelation of who he was. What's that got to do with the sign of Jonah? Because it's all, I'll show you. From that time on, Jesus began to show his disciples that he must go to Jerusalem and suffer many things at the hands of the elders, chief priests, and experts in the law, and be killed, and on the third day be raised. I mean, I don't know how you could be, there's nothing vague about that. It says, from that time on, implying that he said it more than once. He wasn't saying, I can't be specific, but something's about to go down. No, he says, I'm going to go to Jerusalem. They're going to kill me. I'll be dead for three days. On the third day, I'll be back. I mean, you can't, you can't spell it out any more explicitly than that. It seemed to go over their heads. You know, they were like, what do you mean by that? Well, I don't know. How else can I say it? Like, I'm here. Jerusalem's here. I'm going to go here. They're going to kill me. I'll be dead. Three days later, I'll be back. What? It says, after the resurrection... They finally put two and two together like, oh, I guess he meant he was going to go to Jerusalem and be killed and be in the grave for three days, and on the third day he would be back. Really? You got that out of that? Huh. Very perceptive of you. Um, is, there, is, there, is that all of it? Oh, so Peter took him aside and began to rebuke him. God forbid, Lord, this must not happen to you. But he turned and said to Peter, get behind me, Satan. Now, just a few verses earlier, he had said, I say that you are Peter, and on this rock, I will build my church. Ten minutes later, he's calling him Satan. This is why when people say, do you not believe in a literal devil? I'm like, yeah, but Satan 
is everywhere. Satan is in your thought life. Satan is ideas that roam to and fro, seeking whom they may devour. When Jesus spoke to Satan in the, in the um, uh, Mount of Temptation, if you read in Aramaic, he was speaking to his thoughts. He called his thoughts Satana. So the word Satan or devil just means adversary. You, let, me, let me predict this. If you haven't already, you will meet many devils in your life. I mean, don't you have, I'm not saying angels aren't real, but aren't there people in your life that for all practical purposes have been an angel? And aren't there other people that for all practical purposes they might as well have been the devil for, for as adversarial as they were to you? Okay? So he calls him Satan. He says, you are a stumbling block to me because you are not setting your mind on God's interest but on man's. Then Jesus said to his disciples, if anyone wants to become my follower, and this is a bizarre thing that he says, he must deny himself, take up his cross, and follow me. You could just as easily say, he must be swallowed up by his fish and be in the belly of the fish for three days. I love Jesus. I believe in the resurrection. I believe in the atonement. I do not believe it was to appease an angry sky God. I believe that God was love. God was always love. Our separation from God was, as Paul said, in our mind. That's why the Creator says to Adam, who told you you were naked? Um, be, for, if for no other reason, if the cross of Jesus was a unique experience where only He was wounded for our transgressions, then why would Jesus say, take up your cross? If it was all about him trying to save us from hell. And I, I'm going to say this with detachment. I, God judge my motives. But I taught this a few weeks ago, and somebody rebuked me for it and said, your teaching is endangering souls. Two or three weeks later, she died in her sleep. I'm not, that might have been completely coincidental. I'm just saying, if you don't, understand it just table it and say God give me understanding because I'm not disrespecting Jesus in fact I will go on to say this there are many people who are sort of where I'm at theologically who will always point out that there are people like the, the god Mithra or Dionysus who had virgin birth stories they had 12 disciples they had a resurrect a death and a resurrection that you, you see that through all I mean, there's even, like, with the Mayas and the Incas in Mexico and South America, there's stories of a day of Pentecost, people who have never heard of the Bible, uh, a great flood. So the knowledge of the Lord fills all the earth. And I, I see a lot of people who will, who will point that out and say, the story of Jesus isn't anything special because it's just a revamping of previous mythologies. I disagree with that. I do think there was something unique and special about Jesus. I do believe in a virgin birth. I do believe the cross mattered. I'm never going to not believe in that. I'm also not going to say that it meant things that it didn't mean because of what Jesus said. Not because of what they taught me in Bible college, but because of what Jesus says. And he says, 
Peter, you're being adversarial to me. You're being satanic to me because you're coming against something that I have to do. I'm gonna ha- the fish is going to have to swallow me. And it's going to vomit me up in Nineveh. And you're all going to have to, this thing that I'm telling you about, it's, it's going to happen to all of you. All right, Bishop, fine. What's it got to do with predicting the future? It's this. Jesus prophesies his resurrection. He predicts his future. Hebrews 12 says, For the joy that was set before him, Jesus endured the cross. What's the joy set before him? I will get through this thing. If, and I'm still speaking allegorically here, if the fish swallows you and you think it's the end of your life, you haven't learned the power of prediction yet. If you go to Jerusalem and they're going to crucify you, and you think that's the end, then you don't understand how to prophesy your own future. Oh, I could never, I'm nothing like Jesus. I could never, my, my cross couldn't matter. Yes, it does. He said, you, you're, this thing that I'm going through, you're going to have to, I'm going through it for a different reason because I'm, I'm giving mankind a paradigm shift because they think they're unrighteous. But you're going to have to go through your own thing too. It may manifest as a fish uh, in Nineveh or a cross in Jerusalem, but something's going to happen to you that you are going to think is going to kill you, and you're the only one that can cause yourself to live again. You've got to declare your end from the beginning. You have to say, I'm not in denial over these nails in my hand, but I'm telling you, on the Sunday's coming. Uh, it may be Friday, but Sunday's coming. And that that's prophecy. So, and this is how you learn to get through your stuff. Like when somebody says, are you okay? I do this a lot. Those of you that know me well will totally know what I mean by this. Sometimes if I'm kind of off the grid and somebody says, are you okay? I many times will say, I'm in the heart of the earth, but I'll be back on the third day. What that means is I'm not denying that I'm going through some head stuff right now. Bishop, you still go through head stuff? Yes. That's why I posted that thing Friday night and took it off and posted that thing last night. Because I posted this thing about people that don't come to Metron anymore and you all, you all don't think it, you all think it doesn't matter to me, but it does matter. And I went back and read it and I thought, don't be that guy. People are going through all kind of ish. And, you know, this is not about you. Uh, but, you know, like I said, I... I used to have more people in this in my eighth grade Bible study, you know. So it's I'm, even when I, I talked to Ladonna last night, I said, "I want you to come," but I said, "Do not be intimidated by the crowds. There's such a sea of humanity there that it could spook you. You just have to go push through it." And she was laughing because she understood my humor, um, but. My point is, is you know, there's certain things you don't want to take personally, but you can't help but take it personally. But I had to change that energy on this. If you don't know what I'm talking about, then because I thought, I don't want to leave that out there. I want to take that off. And I'm just going to say, thank you. If you've ever come to one of my services, if you've ever sat through one of my sermons, if you've ever done anything to help, if you've ever contributed money, just thank you. And I'm just going to let that, you don't owe me an explanation. We don't, you know, whatever you're going through that might have distanced you, I hope you work it out. 
but I can't, I can't take this personally. I have to say, well, this is, this is where I'm at in my ministry, and it is what it is. And y'all got in your cars and drove over here today. So you don't, want to, you don't need to be lectured about people that don't come. You're like, excuse me, I don't live in this neighborhood, and I got up and drove, drove all the way here. And so that's what matters. I celebrate you. And if it was just, it was just Ken and me here, I'd be like, well, okay. You know, uh, Paul wrote to the Romans and he said, all have forsaken me, only Demas remains. So Paul must have winnowed his grip down to one. I'm I'm doing better than Paul. I I have many more, not just one. If you ever see, all have forsaken me, only Ken remains. Oh, well, now now he is ready to go to the next level. And, And so be it. If that's what happens. But my point is, whatever I go through, I have to say, I, on the third day I will arise. And I'm not saying I'm taking away the sins of the world. Do you understand? I'm not saying that I'm the sacrifice. I'm not, I'm not being wounded for your transgressions. I'm saying Jesus said he had to go to a cross for a specific reason. I, we all have to go to one. You don't, get, you don't get out of here without a crucifixion and a resurrection. In fact, I think everything Jesus went through in his earth life becomes in some way symbolic of everything we go through in our life. I think everybody has a mount of transfiguration. Everybody has a mount of temptation. Everybody, you know, all these things. Everybody has to be. Have you ever had a Judas in your life that was really close to you and betrayed you? You got to have them. Everybody needs a Judas. I don't want one. None of us wanted one. But you got to have them. When it says Satan entered Judas, and, uh, you know, he said, I was going to betray him. Jesus said, what are we going to do? Do it. Do it quickly. He didn't say, come out of him in, in my name. He said, no, you're, you're fulfilling a purpose. And he says, I hate it. He said, this, I could have borne it if it hadn't been a friend of mine. I mean, he, lo- he personally loved Judas. But he said, you got to do what you got to do. So do it. That's when you know, baby, the third day has come. Is when Judas already kissed you and sold you for 30 pieces of silver and you're still back saying, all authority has been given unto me because you, because you were raised on the third day. So this is the whole thing about prophesying your own resurrection, which brings me to this verse of Scripture that I've used before, and it was interesting you mentioned Gigi this morning because this is on the painting that uh, gave her. Uh, this is John 14.6 in the Mirror Bible. Now, why is, I know I've covered this before. It's got to be said again. This verse of Scripture is a pet Scripture for people who don't believe in ultimate reconciliation or don't believe in Christian universalism. Jesus said, I am the way, the truth, and the life. No man comes to any by me except by no man comes to Father except by me. And the way they read it is anybody who isn't a Christian goes to hell. I don't know how they read that into that, but this is not an ultimatum. If you read it in its fullness, he's basically saying no, no man can go to God. No man can be written, no person can have divinity realized in them unless they go this way. You know, you're going to have to 
It's going to come through crucifixion and resurrection. That's the only way. And, I, you know, I, I, I like other translations for different reasons, but when I read the Mirror Bible, I thought, all right, that's the closest translation I've seen to what Jesus was actually saying. I know I've taught on it before, but let me show you again. What he says is, Jesus says, my I amness mirrored in you is your way. What did he say? You got to take up your cross. My I am this mirrored in you is your way. This is your truth and also your life. Every single person can now come face to face with the Father entirely because of my doing. Or he could just as easily say, because of what I've done. Remember in the Garden of Gethsemane, there's any way let's let this cut pass from me. Nevertheless, not as I will. There are some things that we don't want to go through. But the only way out is through. Even yesterday, it just it, it wasn't just what Lana said to me. It was the energy she had because she felt so convicted about it. And she said, she was talking about the mind-body. And she says, you're, the, the way your body thinks, it's, it's going to recoil from the pain. It was just another way of saying you have to lean into the pain. It gets, a, thing, a thing gets worse before it gets better. Which I, I knew, but it was a very timely confirmation. Because our instinct is self-preservation. If there's any way, let this cut pass from me. However, and, and don't get me wrong, I'm not talking about trying to take on unnecessary suffering. I don't think everybody that gets sick has been, you know, chastened by God. I don't believe that. What I'm talking about is there's probably one thing in your life that was the make or break. Um, I know what it was for me. I'm coming up in a few days, 13 years of coming out. And coming out was, you know what the real challenge was? It wasn't about God. God and I had made peace a long time ago. I mean, we'd had conversations when I was really young saying, can the thing formed say to him who made it, why did you make me thus? Feel free to change me at any time. I'd be happy for you to. My life would be a lot easier. You know, and I know, there are certain realities about the way I'm wired that I did not choose. You know it. You're the one that called me. Those of you that remember my most famous sermon, I open, my opening statement was, there's two realities about my life. I've, I didn't ask for either one of them. I've had both of them for as long as I can remember. One is my anointing. I've never doubted it. I've always known I was called of God. I've always known the Spirit of the Lord God is upon me. The other was my orientation, and that those are those are two incompatible truths, neither of which I asked for. I didn't ask to be me. I, God wanted me to be me, unless unless God and I talked about it before I got here, and that's a possibility. And God said, "This is how we're going to make you," and it's going to be a. I'd be like, no, wait, wait a minute. What's the plan now? Yes. We're going to make you like this. And we're going to let you be born into mid-century Pentecostalism. Uh, into an environment where 
anything you can possibly imagine is a sin. Uh, so this is who you are. And I'm going to give you, I'm going to give you such an anointing that it's going to be like fire shut up in your bones. You'll have no, you'll have no alternative but to preach. But the other part of you will never, ever, 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 ever go away. I prayed three times that this thorn might be removed. And he said, my grace is sufficient for you. For in your weakness, I am made strong. So if I signed up for it, which I may have, we may have all signed up for whoever we were or are, then when you go through really tough times, you have to believe, well, I don't like this fish that's swimming around the boat and these people that are wanting to throw me overboard because this fish looks hungry. But if it swallows me, so be it. If I'm three, I don't want, I don't want to go three days in the belly of a fish. That does not sound enjoyable. But it's the only way I'm going to be me. All right. <laughs> Let's go. <laughs> and so when Jesus says, you have to take up your cross, he's saying, my I amness mirrored in you is your way. He's not talking about, if you don't, like, think about this. This, this is how people have taught or explained God. I am the God of love. I created you all. I created humanity. I, lo- I, used, to, I used to say it to people when I would do street ministry. If you'd been the only person in the world, Jesus would have died for you. That's how much he loves you. Even the hairs on your head are numbered. And then somebody would say, what if I don't receive Jesus? Oh, well, he's going to fry you in eternity indefinitely. He's going to burn you forever. But he loves you unconditionally. You know that doesn't make sense. In the beginning was the word, the theologic. That's not logical. If you say, I love you more than anything in the world, well, what if I don't love you back? Well, I'm going to shoot you, blow your brains out. That's an odd, you know, you want to say, don't love me quite like that. I don't need quite that much love. <laughs> Let's just be friends. <laughs> but that's the way, that's the way people have taught John 14.6. I am the way, the truth, and the life. Anybody that doesn't come to me, I'm going to burn them. Because I'm God of love. But if you don't love me back, I know I told you, I've, you've got to forgive 70 times 7, but I can't forgive you because you didn't say the right mantra before you died. So I'm going to burn you and burn you and burn you and burn you and burn you. I'll never stop because you didn't love me back. That's a really sad Jesus. They had a, uh, I never went to it, but I, one of the churches out in Conyers, for, for Halloween, they do this thing called the Tribulation Trail. They show, like, people going through the Tribulation period. And there was a thing where they reenacted, or they acted out, a, a teenage girl dying in a car accident. And it's horrible. She's out on the hood of the car, covered in blood. And then the final thing, Scott Pettit went, he told me about it. The final thing, it shows her going in up to Jesus, and Jesus is standing there, and, and she's, you know, she just died of a car wreck. She's wanting to go to heaven, and Jesus says, No, my child, because you rejected me, 
I must reject you. And she's screaming, no, Jesus, no. And he's like, my hands are tied. I cannot save you. I thought, good God, that is the most perverse, pornographic, demon-possessed, mutated, horrible thing I have ever heard of. Really, that's who your Jesus is? Because you didn't say the right thing right before your heart stopped beating. Like, really? That's it? I mean, it just doesn't make sense. I don't care how many verses you want to throw at me, just the, the, the logic of that is unacceptable. I've told you this before, but I remember when we still had the church, we had this, um, it was like an organization of homeschoolers that met, like 3,000 people there, and uh, we let them meet for free as I did, contrary to anything you've ever heard, we never charged anybody, any of those high schools. Uh, Other churches charged $10,000, we never did, Um, but these were largely a largely Southern Baptist group, and uh, as the I was sitting on the platform, and as the guy was getting through with his sermon, he says, and if you don't receive Jesus as your Savior, you'll spend eternity in hell. He says, but if you want to receive Jesus, raise your hand. Well, you're in a sea of Southern Baptists who have all, they've been saved and rededicated and baptized and rebaptized. I mean, there's, there's not one of them out there that hadn't been to Sunday school. So he just will not let it go. Like, I know there's somebody here that you're not ready. So finally, he just rides everybody. So you, he finally gets about three hands coming up. And so he says, if you raised that hand, you will spend eternity with Jesus. And I'm... Th- I- even back then, I had enough shoulder pain to know that's not easy to do. Like, I can do that. And I can tell the, the surgery worked because I, I could not do that a couple months ago. But back then, raising my hand was like, you got to really want to raise your hand. And I'm, I'm thinking, that's it? Like, how would you know you got your hand up high enough? Like, what if, <laughs> what if, if eternity is dependent on you raising... If, if I really thought this was going to keep me from hell, I'd be like, woo! Y'all see? Hand is raised. Because what, what he's saying, this is hell, 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 hell. Heaven. Like, when's it, when's it going to... Like, when, how do I know it's going to be enough? Did Jesus see me raise my hand? And I'm going to really need to know. He saw... The hand is, anybody got a handkerchief I can, I can wave around because I'm not sure he saw it. Because if I just went like that, my child, my hands are tied. You only raised your hand up to your rib cage. And so because of that, had you raised it up to your shoulder, you could have enjoyed paradise with me. But because you only raised it, yay high, my hands are tied. And you will burn and burn and burn and burn. It would have been fine if you just if you if you could just gotten it up here. I might have let you in. But I just didn't see a real good showing on that hand. So I'm just kind of so like really? That's who Jesus is? So when this says, 
my I amness mirrored in you. It's another way of him saying, I'm going to the cross for a specific reason. You're going to have to go to the cross. It may not be a cross or a fish, but you get it. It's something's going to wipe you out and you're going to be out of commission for three days. And please understand, I'm not talking about three 24-hour periods. Do you understand? Three days is different for everybody. People, this is why you can't judge somebody's journey. Why are they so moody? You don't know. They may be right in the midpoint of their three days. You just got to say, well, Sunday's coming. Sunday's coming. You, and when it comes to your personal life, you have to prophesy your resurrection. Whatever it is, I will be okay. Now, let me show you this. There's, I don't know who this guy is. But I see people post his cartoons. He calls himself Naked Pastor. I don't know who he is. But he'll post some things that really, like, wow, he's really, that's kind of on to something. I just saw this this week, and it was so timely for what I wanted to talk about today. Let me show you. This person says to Jesus, I want to be like you. Jesus says, you be like you. That's how you be like me. Now, not everybody can receive that. Some people say, oh, no, no, I want to be conformed to His image. We are all part of Him. Why else would, you, would Paul say, you are the body of Christ and members in particular? And the eye cannot say to the hand, I don't need you, because every part of your body has a completely different function. And you want them all. You know, you don't have to have tonsils. But if you don't have any problem with them, you're not rushing right down to the doctor saying, you know what, I don't need these suckers. We're just going, I mean, if you have to have them out, fine. You can live without an appendix. But if you don't have to go under the knife, wouldn't you just rather say, I'll just keep mine if it's okay. Well, you behave yourself and, you know, no, I don't need this. I'm going to get rid of it. You don't necessarily have to. I don't know why, this is why there, people can make a good case for evolution, like why are there certain things in our bodies we don't seem to need anymore, like wisdom teeth. Is it possible that skull sizes have changed over the years? Apparently, there was some version of people that needed all of them. We need four less. But, if you can keep them, <laughs> it's not causing you any problem. Why get rid of them? So there are people in your life that you don't, I mean, when he says the eye cannot say to the hand, if you think about if an eye would look at everything from the paradigm of an eye, like what, what do you need a hand for? You don't need hands. Uh, eyes, everything. You, eye, you can see. Like, like if somebody's considering cutting the hand off, don't talk, don't talk to the eye about it because the eye would be like, yeah, sure, get rid of it. You don't need it long as you see where you're going. But because your body is more than just the eye. Because he said, y'all know what I'm talking about when Paul wrote that. He said, if the whole body were the eye, where would be the hearing? Well, the eye doesn't think hearing is important. The, the eye would be like, well, you, what do you need to eat? As long as you can see where you're going, you don't need to hear. And yet, wouldn't you like to be able to hear? So, when you're looking at your entire body, it's a, it's a different paradigm. It's like, no, I'd like all my parts. Thank you very much. If I can keep them. 
I mean, women can have hysterectomies and live on, but if you don't have to have one, why? Say, you know what? My girlfriend was having one. I thought we'd just come down here to the gynecologist, get a twofer. I mean, as long as, long as they ain't bothering you, let's keep, that, keep all that equipment as long as we can. Shh. I told you, you know, I, the unit, I bought this place 20 years ago where I live. I've lived there since 11. And it has the original air conditioner, like central air. Which, for the last, when we first met, you remember I said, the guy's saying I may need to get this replaced. Can you look at it? And he did something. I don't know what he did. You called Alan, your guy that worked, and you put something in it. And that, that kept us going for many more years. I mean, it's $11,000 to, you know, to get a new, new one. Because a guy in the unit two down from me just got one. That's how much it cost. And that's about what they quoted me. So I'm like, can we just keep this as long as we can? <laughs> like last night, I mean, I'm sure at some point I'm going to have to replace it. But we, it's October 1st. <laughs> There's no point in me calling Cool Ray tomorrow going, would you come get this $11,000? I don't know what to do with it. No, if could we, like, I had it on last night. And I'm like, oh, I turned it down. Oh, it's still working. It makes a little bit of a noise. He was on call a couple weeks ago, and I called him. I said, what did we do when the air, this, the air conditioner starts making anything? He said, you have to go where that black pipe is. You have to go jiggle that. I said, got it. So I know how, like, oh, it's making a little noise. Shh, it's vibrating. I'm like, shh. You good? Yay, I got another night. If I could, I'll go through next summer if I can. It'd be like the widow's cruise of oil. And I already told, I told y'all this last week. The, what is it, a different kind of Freon now? The kind of Freon that mine needs, they don't even make anymore. Like I have to get at black market. I have to meet a guy. I have to know a guy to meet a guy. No questions asked. A gun on the table. I walk in, there's a password. You need the Freon? I'm like, yes, I, all right. Take the free on and back away slowly. Yes, sir. It's probably illegal, but I'm like, come on, get me through one more summer. So it needs to be replaced. I'll get to it if I have to, but I would love to be able to, five years from now to say, y'all ain't going to believe this. Don't tell anybody. That air conditioner still working. You didn't hear it from me. It's, it's a modern day miracle. What's that got to do with I cannot say to them? Because there's things, if you can keep them, keep them. There are people in your life who may be more important to your life than you realize. Sometimes you don't realize how important somebody is until they're not there anymore. You could, have, you could lose a toe and still walk. But when you rather just keep, I got ten of them, can I just keep ten if I can? Well, you, you get rid of those little toes, you won't even miss them. Uh, I get it. <laughs> them Gucci shoes will fit you better if you get rid of those little toes. <laughs> You're like, I love Gucci, but I'm going to try to keep, if I, if I can keep the little toes, I'd like to keep them. Because the, they got that little toenail on them I don't know what to do with, but they're, 
but they're adorable. I like that. I'm sure they're, they're, but you don't have one. You'll suddenly realize, oh, you know what? That tail kind of, it kind of is a part of your balance. You don't realize how much. Let me tell you. One thing that I've experienced through wearing that sling for eight weeks, I love this left hand. I'm so sorry. I didn't, if I didn't appreciate you enough, all the things that you can do. I appreciate because trying to do it. I mean, this one's fine, but man, this one, this one just don't feel right. I don't understand you right-handed people. It's just something about it's not right. <laughs> I mean, I could go through my whole life writing with my right hand if I had to. I'd still be left-handed because that's how I'm wired. So, what's I got to do with this? Well, is, is that a blasphemous idea? No, I don't think so. I think when you really look into my am the spirit and you is your way, or you take up your cross, or I will give you the sign of Jonah only, that means Jesus is our example. Look, if you want to worship Jesus, that's fine. Jesus never asked anybody to worship him. Worship him all you want to. You know what? will really be better is if you start doing what he did like the the songs are beautiful sing them but what would really be impressive is if you started learning from his example and say oh what did here's a thought what would jesus do and it's sometimes it's not always easy what jesus would do i mean jesus had very complicated relationship with his blood family I mean, <laughs> his dying breath, he looks at John, and he doesn't, he doesn't look at Mary and go, oh, mama, I'm going to miss you. He looks at John and says, this is, this is your mother now. I mean, that's kind of cold. I mean, in a way, especially when you know their history. Um, oh, did I get too deep? I, just, I, I went, you know, don't you talk about my mama. I'm not talking about your mama. I'm saying, he said in her presence, who are my mother and brothers is those that do the will of God. I mean, they had a, they had a interesting relationship. Guess what? Sometimes you have to have interesting relationships in your life that are not always easy because they allow His I amness to be mirrored in you. Because some people, you can just get out of your life, no problem. I ain't going to see you anymore. There's other people, I, I can't just get rid of them. They're in my life. So guess what? you got to figure out a way to coexist. And not only coexist, but to rise on the third day. So that's what I want to leave you with today, is about prophesying your resurrection. I'm not saying go out and look for trouble. Don't just jump in the water when you see a fish swimming. If you can, you know, put it off as long as you can. But I'm telling you, a thing will happen to you if it hasn't already that will determine whether you know God or not. Uh, it's not easy to go into Gethsemane and sweat drops of blood, but I tell you one thing will happen. When you walk out of there, you'll go, well, I know that I know God. 
I know God, my, my definitions of God might have changed, but there's something that I call God that is definitely real. And it's in that that I live and move and have my being. Because there's something bigger than me, something higher than me, something supernatural that not only enabled me to um, survive this thing, but it caused me to go to the next glory. I came out of the tomb unrecognizable to the people who knew me before. Isn't that what happened with Jesus? People that knew him before. Did. Mary Magdalene probably in love with him. And she sees him in the garden. What have you done with my... You know, they've, ta- they've taken his body. And he's like, do you not know who I am? And sometimes you've gone through such profound changes, even sometimes you don't even recognize yourself. You ever gone through something and you thought, if this had happened to me five years ago, I don't think I'd have made it. But somehow, I don't know, I guess the version of me five years ago could see me now. I guess the the five-year version of me would be really proud of who I am now because that 2017 version of me would have never never come out of that tomb. (laughs) What happened? Well, I don't even know. Fish swallowed him, never saw him again. That 2023 version of me goes in the fish's mouth and like, I'll be out. I'll be covered in vomit, but I'll be out three days from now. I'm, just, uh, I'm a little seasick. Throw me some Dramamine, but I'll be back, and I'll, I'll make it to Nineveh. I prophesy my future. These are the things to come. It's fine if you want to find a prophet, but you know who the greatest prophet is you will ever meet in your life? It's you. You have the ability to prophesy your future Every day of your life. The best a prophet can do is confirm to you what you already know and what you have already said. Everything that Lana said to me yesterday was stuff that I knew. But it was like, just the timing of this, thank you, Spirit of God, universe, whoever. Whoever orchestrated this, thank you. That really helped me get through yesterday. And I, I'm, I feel renewed again. Like, all right, I'll go to therapy this week, and it'll be good. And if I have to pop some Tylenol, so be it. And I will get through this thing. And my latter will be greater than my former. And that's, that's an exciting way to live. Um, you know, we're in a, I'm coming to a close, but we're in a day now. Uh, when, when my parents, when we first moved back to Atlanta, I was 12 years old. We lived couple blocks from here and my dad came to work for a man this man was the pastor of the church and he was ready to retire and uh he wanted he didn't have anybody to leave the church to so the reason we left the church of god to come into the sinless of god is because this man ralph bird called my dad and said i don't anybody give this church to i think you're supposed to have it i want you to come work for me and then i will phase out and give you this church when the story was a little different once we got here, but it was fine. But I was doing some research on him recently. and when I remember when I was a kid, Reverend Bird was like an old, decrepit, feeble, half-blind, half-deaf. I mean, just like, how is this man not in a nursing home shuffling along? I was reading about him the other day. I thought, I told my mom, I said, are you aware that I am older 
than Ralph Bird was when we moved to Atlanta? She said, that's impossible. I said, I'm telling you, I am three years older than he was. I mean, when I read that, I thought, that cannot be right. He was like the Tim Conway character that was the old man. I'm like, I'm, and I'm not making fun of him, I'm just saying, because we're in a different world now, and there's more health options, and we know more people are living longer. You know, there was a time, if you were 60, you, you know, it was over. Not now, you look at, you know, you see all these actresses, they may have had some work done, and you know, they got wrestling in their face and stuff, but they're still, they're still, how old are they? 90. <laughs> I saw Carol Burnett on an interview, and she's walking a little slow out there on the Kelly Clarkson show, but she's out there talking about her 90th birthday, answered every question, saying, I'm so glad to have this time together, did the Tarzan, the Tarzan yell. That would have been 50 years ago. So here's the thing. You better start learning how to have a kind of successful old age because people aren't checking out as early as they used to. That's one reason I had this shoulder fix. And this one's getting my attention a little bit. I'm like, I ain't ready for you yet. Settle down. But it's because I think, well, I'm not, I've got some years left. I would like to not live them in pain. It was a, it was a prophetic act. Because I asked the doctor, I said, will this get better? He said, no. <laughs> well, there's no cartilage in there. The cartilage doesn't grow back. Okay, what do we need to do? He said, well, you're going to have to have surgery. I'm like, mm. what else you got? That's basically it. No plan B. And I put it off, put it off, put it off. I was in the middle of having my stress test, and I, the, Mr. Swiley, you have to sit perfectly still for 15 minutes. And I'm, you know, they're doing, they're doing my second MRI, and she said, you're moving. You've got, I said, ma'am, if you knew how hard it is for me to sit still, the only way I could be more still, you would just have to kill me. And I think that would defeat the purpose of the stress test. <laughs> If I were dead, there would not be any point in us finishing this. And as I'm laying there going, oh, Jesus, help me. I'm like, get this thing fixed. This is ridiculous. And I went the next day. I said, all right, what are we going to do? And he said, well, let me show you what. I said, no, don't show me what they're going to do. Just tell them. Because he's, you know, they're going to cut through here. I said, no, I don't need to know all of that. I get it. Something's going to be cut. I understand. Then what? And then he got through it, and I told you this, but when I woke up from surgery and had that sling on, they had that big stable, I couldn't even see, I couldn't see below it. It was, it was this big stabilizer piece, and I thought, what am I going to do? You got to wear this for eight weeks? I can't, I can't teach with this thing. I'm gonna have to, I mean, I'm, I'm going to have to cancel meditation weekend. I mean, I'm, I'm thinking all these things. None of that happened. I showed up and taught with it. We had a great meditation weekend. Everything was fine. I painted a painting with my right hand. And it was great. Sold immediately. So I'm like, all these things I would have never known. Like, oh, well, I guess you could do, I guess you could do stuff without your right arm. I don't like to, but I guess I could do it. You're, 
unless something else happens, you're going to be here a little while longer. So you need to start talking about what you would like your old age to be like. Start prophesying those golden years. <laughs> That's why I stopped saying I'm going to live to be 120. And I said, as long as I'm healthy and in my right mind, I want to live to be 120. Let's, let's, let's amend that a little bit. And then let's start working toward that. If I'm going to be healthy, I might need to lose a little weight. I might need to walk more. I, you know, I, I see that, you know, Krispy Kreme burned down and Shaquille O'Neal owned that building. And he's rebuilt it and they're getting ready to open it every day. I drive, I drive down Ponce every day. I'm like, oh, I bind you devil in Jesus' name. Because I know it's there. I know it's there and I know that, I know that red, that light. And I'm married to a sugar holly. And, and uh, who has a great metabolism? Who, like, how do you do that? How do you, and I'm like, what am I going to do? I'm going to have to, I can't, I can't ride down Ponsalia anymore. I've got to find another way. Because I'm going to know, I'm going to see that red light in my peripheral vision. I bind you. Like, no, no. Do it in Jesus' name. All right, real quick. I just like, uh, can I just get a dozen hot? And will you throw? Will you throw? Throw one Boston cream in there. There is therefore now no condemnation of them which are in Christ Jesus. All things, all things are lawful. Not all the. <laughs> but I also know, like, I mean, it would be unrealistic. I'm just going to tell you, for me to say, a grain of sugar will never, that's not going to happen. There's no point in me saying that because that's not true. But it also, I also know, it's like, if a good Netflix series is coming on, I can say to myself, you don't need to eat an entire carton of ice cream while you're watching this. Because that used to be the connection in my brain. Like, ooh, how many parts are this? Eight parts. Ooh, I'm going to need some Briar's mint chocolate chip. Like, no, those days are over. You're older than Ralph Bird. So those are some realities. It's like, no, you can, I'm not saying I'm never eat ice cream again, but it's like, no, you can't do that anymore. And that's just being realistic. Why? Because you're prophesying to your future. I would like to live. That, that's why, I know I said this the other day, but like they've got a new COVID vaccine that's out. I'm sure I'm going to go get it. Because I'm like, you know, of course I'm going to get it. I'm not telling you to do it. Of course I'm going to. Because people who say, if it was my time to go, then I believe, well, that if that's true, then you should just walk out in traffic. Don't wear, don't wear a seat belt. Why do you have a smoke detector? Why do you lock your door? You're not living in fear. You're just saying, oh, these things could pose a problem. Well, I think COVID was a hoax. Well, tell that to several million people that died around the world. Those are some good, those are some good hoaxers. <laughs> they really committed to that hoax. Anyway, I don't want to get anybody... Please don't email me if you if you don't want to take it. Namaste. I'm just saying. As for me in my house, yeah, I probably will. I probably uh, sure. I that that makes me feel good. All right. 
That's what I want to leave you with from this series. The September series is now over. Let's all stand. Let's all stand. Did you get anything out of this this past month? Um, we just clear all the channels, uh, any obstruction, anything that we're saying that is predicting something in our future that is undesirable. Spirit of God, make us aware of that. Show us how to say what is right. Uh, let us not be snared with the words of our mouth. Let us speak in line with our destiny. Let us speak in line with our, our, our I amness. Um, as David prayed, put a watch over our mouth. Like, let us say only good things that will produce a good tomorrow as we prophesy our future, as we go from glory to glory. And when it's Friday, we will always know that Sunday is coming as Jesus prophesied his resurrection, so we prophesy ours. Everybody said? Please remain standing. We should play the outro. Please. You will then receive a notification that you successfully completed your donation. You may also visit visionthenow.com and click the support tab to give there as well. When you contribute to Metron, you're also donating to the charity or organization of the month. Thank you for your investment into Metron. If you have a check, just make it to JESM. If you have cash, just pay it forward. Uh, I love you, and I will see you next week. Thank you for those of you that logged on today. Peace.